0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to a special bonus episode of What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Withrow, and I'm joined by my best friend, Nick Dostal. How you doing there, Bubba? Oh, I'm
1: excited to be here.
0: Oh, yeah. Our core episodes tend to focus on older movies, and every once in a while, I think it's fun to recommend some new movies that people can stream right now. So we're each going to toss out a handful of movies from 2020. We're going to tell you why we like them, where you can find them, We're recording this episode on Wednesday, November 18th, 2020, so our recommendations are current as of today. Alrighty, I'll go first. I'm going to start with three good horror films that made the rounds a lot this Halloween, and I know that time of year has come and gone, but I don't know. A good movie's a good movie, so Alone is my first pick, directed by John Hames. This is a movie about a woman on a road trip being stalked by a psycho Played by Mark Minchaka, that's Russ Langmore from Ozark. Alone is smart, it's well done, it's disturbing. This is a pay-for-play flick, as a few of mine are, so you're going to have to fork out a few bucks to see it. You can stream it on YouTube, Amazon, Google Play, all that stuff. If you heard of that movie Unhinged with Russell Crowe, Alone is a much better version of that. Unhinged was not good. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. The Dark and the Wicked, directed by Brian Bertino, he directed The Strangers from 2008, one of the most effective horror movies of the last 15 years. I think that movie's scary as shit. The Dark and the Wicked is supremely fucked up. The New York Post's review for it said that there are so many scares in this movie that nothing is scary, so wow. take for that what you will. So in the movie, we're on a secluded farm, an old man is on his deathbed, his family gathers around him, and the longer the family stays the more crazy shit starts to happen around the house. This is a dark movie. It's moody as hell. It has moments of extreme violence. Um, Another pay-for-play movie. Find it in all the usual places. The dark and the wicked. Moving right along. Host. I love this movie. Host. This is 57 minutes long. It's streaming only on Shudder. It's a Shudder original. This is one of those from the computer movies where we're essentially seeing one screen and we're seeing a lot of action on that screen this time it's six friends participating in a séance via Zoom sounds kind of silly but the setup is really clever because hopefully you find yourself watching this movie exactly how I did which is you know in your dark bedroom on an iPad or on a laptop and as soon as the scares start in the movie you're going to get shaken up like it's it's effective it really works um and the movie was based on a Zoom prank that the director Rob Savage played on his friends And all of his friends are in the movie. So it's cool. It's a brand new movie. It's set during COVID host on Shudder.
1: And you were telling me about this movie and I'm the biggest scaredy cat ever. And um, (laughs) you made me want to watch this movie. It actually sounds really fucking cool.
0: It was like a cool experience because it's short. And sometimes I can be a little averse to this stuff and kind of judge a book by its cover. But this was fun. And if you watch it that way, it's really effective. Just scared me. And again, Interesting to watch a movie set during now. There's talk of COVID, all that stuff. Host on Shudder. The Nest. This is my most recent movie on the list. This is directed by Sean Durkin. This is his second feature after Martha Marcy May Marlene in 2011. The Nest has the same careful, tedious mood as Martha, but there's a lot to unpack in it. I watched it last night and it's still tooling around in my head. I'm going to reserve additional comment because I know you yourself... Still have to see it, but it stars Carrie Coon and Jude Law. They're both superb. It's set in the mid-80s and actually feels and looks how it felt and looked in the mid-80s. This is not Stranger Things at all. (laughs) It's an hour and 47 minutes long. I recommend watching it with a cup of coffee and kind of embracing a new convention of pace. That's what I had to do anyway, and it seems to be exclusively playing on Google Play there's a lot of movies called The Nest on Google Play, but it's the only one starring Jude Law, directed by Sean Durkin. So if you want to see it, head over there.
1: I love that you say that it's a great movie for um, a cup of coffee. Yeah. That's a great way to describe how to watch a movie. Get a cup of coffee for this one.
0: After about 20 minutes, I went, you know, uh, okay, I'm going to go fire up the Keurig because, you know, some movies are good with a glass of wine. But yeah, this just my recommendation. That's all Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Just three more for me. Real quick, Borat 2 is fun. It's what you think it's going to be. I laughed. I had a really good time with it. Between that, the host, and the most recent episode of SVU, these are the only things I've seen so far that are set in our current COVID world. And it's kind of interesting to think about. Like, how is now going to be depicted? This is going to kind of turn into an SVU recommendation. But the most recent episode that aired on November 12th it came out hitting really hard. There's Amy Cooper, Karen's cell phone videos, COVID, George Floyd, Defund the Police, all brought up within five minutes of this episode. And Borat 2 is still on Amazon Prime. It's right there. Sorry, I got off track. But SVU is on NBC. I watch it via Hulu. I think I'm very curious to see how filmmakers embrace presenting today, because there's a, a lot going on that I mean, are we going to see, are are movies and TV shows going to have masks? Are they not going to have masks? It's it's really something to think about. And this, they dealt with it head on, as they usually do with, you know, these kind of pressing topics. Moving on, Critical Thinking. Directed by the great John Linguizamo. It is his first film as a director. He stars in it as well. I really loved this movie. It has heart. It has edge. And Linguizamo is great in every aspect. It's a true story about a group of inner city Miami kids who are all-star chess players. They're coached by Linguizamo, who genuinely puts everything into this movie. It's a good movie. There's a bit of that teacher-helping-inner-city-kids motif going on, but it's a little nice that it's not played by a little white lady this time. (laughs) (laughs) And this is another pay-for-play movie. If you're going to pay for any movie I recommend today, I'd say it should be this one. It deserves the numbers. It deserves the word of mouth. And sorry, but as far as chess goes... This movie actually helps you understand the emotional impact of the game and of specific moves, unlike the sterile and relatively emotionless Queen's Gambit. So, you know, it's this is not a a glossed over movie. There's really disturbing, realistic things that happen in it that happen to these kids. Um, Go check it out. Critical thinking. One final one for me, The Outpost directed by Rod Lurie. The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, not easy to make movies about them. I think we still have a lot of thinking and processing to do before those conflicts can be fully examined. Maybe I'm wrong. I like the Hurt Locker. It's well done. The Outpost, however, is the most emotionally affecting film I've seen about the war in Afghanistan. This is a true story about a handful of soldiers stationed at a horrifically positioned outpost in Afghanistan that's attacked daily by Taliban fighters and This is a really realistic war movie. It's not going to be for everyone. The soldiers speak how soldiers speak in combat. This dialogue is not politically correct. But the film is contained, focused, and aspects of it are terrifying. I really like the director, Rod Lurie. He made The Contender with Joan Allen and Jeff Bridges, which is a top 10 political movie of all time for me. One of the smartest things Lurie has ever done in his career is cast Caleb Landry Jones in this movie. You know Jones as the... (laughs) Psycho headlock at the dinner table brother from Get Out but Antiviral heaven knows what Twin Peaks the return this is a great actor and Outpost contains not only his best work but what is certainly the best performance of 2020 that I've seen so far he floored me in this fucking floored me The Outpost is currently on Netflix Caleb Landry Jones will I mean I you know I work with veterans um and I spent Two years heavily involved in veteran suicide prevention, and movies like The Outpost are important, even if they aren't for everyone. It's being received very well by the veteran community, and that's a good thing. This is a good movie. Check it out. That's all for me. Pick things up for us. <laughs> Put us back on a lighter note. <laughs> oh, I think I got
1: something. And we're in this crazy year for movies with 2020, because things are being done in ways they've never been done before they may change uh, the structure and how things are done going forward. Yeah. We don't know. And so, but that being said, with the amount of movies that are offered to us, it's kind of a a strange time. So kind of doing an episode like this, clearly 2020 is not done. And with the Oscars being pushed, there's probably going to be more movies that are going to be coming out that we'll talk about. But in terms of what has come out this year, I think all those movies are great, Rex. I'll lighten it up. Bring it out with a banger. Bill and Ted face the music. Hell yeah. 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 This movie could have sucked. <laughs> this movie could have really sucked. And it was most triumphant. Dean Parasat was the director. I grew up with this movie, uh, both the originals, it was one of the movies I watched with my mom, and I just loved it. I thought it was really, really great. Yeah, it was just a movie that had a lot of fun, it knew exactly what it was doing, and it all worked. And it even had some really profound moments that I was not expecting, in terms of the writing and execution of the story. So, Bill and Ted, face the music.
0: It was really fun to watch the first two movies, and then immediately watch this one, and There's a lot of talk about how updating in modern times with more careful language is, you know, a lot of people criticize this. This was a way to do it well because Bill and Ted, when they were younger in those first two movies, are using words to describe people that you cannot say anymore. And that was frankly kind of uncomfortable to hear. I went, oh, my God, people just used to talk like this. I'm not even going to repeat what they say. People can kind of guess. Just to see them move to be more mature was – Inspiring, I thought. I like that. Um,
1: so, this is a movie that I actually really liked for complete indulgent reasons. Buffaloed, by, directed by Tanya Wexler, starring Zoe Dutch. Um, this movie takes place in Buffalo, New York, my hometown. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that has more masterfully nailed the characterization of what people are like in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> it's a city that not many movies are made. Um, it's changing a little bit. And even though I know a lot of this movie was shot in Toronto, they still nailed Buffalo. I couldn't believe it. Some of the deep cuts. That writer was definitely from Buffalo. I don't think you could not be. And um, so I enjoyed it. It's about a debt collector who's trying to escape her hometown and um, based on a true story, and, and apparently debt collection is actually a pretty big deal in Buffalo. Like, it's one of, like, the biggest cities that operate. Oh, really? Debt collectors, yeah. That says a lot about Buffalo, I think. <laughs> oh, it says a lot. It's, it's perfect, actually. <laughs> yeah. it, it just works. It, it's uh, her performance, Zoe Dutch. Honestly, like, it's one of my favorite performances of the year. Oh, cool. And you can see that on Hulu. And moving forward, listen, I'm not going to sit here and talk about how pretentious and um, intellectually superior this next movie may come off as. But I loved I'm Thinking of Ending Things, directed by Charlie Kaufman. I'm not going to try to explain this movie. I don't think that's the point of this movie, which is why I think a lot of people have a problem with it. And that's okay, too. I don't think there's no right or wrong with this movie. I just happened to catch this movie in a particular day in a particular mood where I went on this existential ride where I just received everything the movie gave to me, and I was about it i just i I found a lot of poetic resonance in it. I thought a lot about my own life and w- certain things that the movie was doing that affected me coming face-to-face with some of those emotions. I didn't care that I didn't know what was going
0: on. I just liked the movie a lot. You positioned it incredibly well. It's dependent on mood. It's depend- I mean, the first time I saw Schenectady, New York, didn't like it at all. I had no idea what was going on. And then Roger Ebert said it was his favorite movie of the decade. And I was like, okay, I guess I got to go back. And now I think it's it's unique, but I really like it. And... I think this is another one that will take a few viewings to open itself up. Yeah. For most people.
1: And it's totally okay if you're just not about it at all. Yeah. You don't have to understand. It could easily be a movie where it's like people are like, I don't like to feel dumb. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's what it's trying to do, but it's very easy to kind of ascertain that that might happen, I suppose. No, just take it for whatever you get from it. And whatever you get from it, that's the experience with movie. And that's what Charlie Kaufman was ultimately going for. And then to go into a, a completely other direction, uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7, directed by Aaron Sorkin, also on Netflix. Just a solid movie, man. Mm-hmm. A great cast, very relevant story to what's going on today. It wasn't spectacular. It didn't blow me away. But the entire time I was watching it, I was just like, I'm on board. I like this. I'm invested. I'm engaged. And I I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: I did, too. It's a good recommendation. I have a crazy thing to put in your head right now. I listened to this podcast, The Big Picture, which is hosted by some of the Ringer folks, and they did Favorite Courtroom Thriller episode recently. Can you think of a good courtroom thriller that has been made since the year 2000? Like really, really good ones. They you they were so popular in the late 80s and 90s. Like when they said that on that podcast, I was like, "Well, there well no, there's uh and I just completely drew a blank. So it was fun yeah. to be in a courtroom again and have that energy and just move it. I mean, certain sections like Molly's Game, his last movie, had courtroom scenes. But to pretty much be fully set in a courtroom, we don't really see that that much anymore. And I like You it. don't. That's a great point. And now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, I actually,
1: yeah, that's a, I can't think of something. Because all that's coming to my mind are the movies from
0: the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. There was like uh, the judge with Robert Downey Jr. I think I, I mean I don't even remember it that well to be honest, but yeah, it's 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 a weird thing that that genre is just kind of we you know we've talked a lot about our affinity for those kind of '90s grunge movies how those are just gone in the courtroom mm-hmm. it, I don't know it doesn't have that zest it doesn't have there's no my cousin Vinny no a few good men there's there's just nothing primal fear I mean there's just none of that anymore it's wild doesn't got that pizzazz pizzazz <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
1: Um, Then moving on to um, my next pick, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, directed by Jim Cummings. This guy's awesome. He's a trailblazer. He is creating his own content and distributing it himself independently, changing the game for what it means for people like us as independent filmmakers about how do you define success in this industry. And he's really good at what he does. And this movie is a blast. It's about... This small, small town that has all these killings and the idea of a werewolf ends up kind of being thrown into the mix. All the while, there's humor. There's some deep, deep emotional resonance with the main character that's Jim Cummings plays, and he's phenomenal in his performance. Just a really great blend of horror, drama, and comedy, and it's a, it's a pay-for-play. I think it's on demand. Yeah, I can't recommend that movie as well as his previous movie Thunder Road just kind of get to know this guy this guy is he he's something man
0: very very cool work from him fully second everything you said even if jim cummings didn't make good movies the fact that he carries himself with this independent movie sensibility he does it As far as I can tell without a shred of arrogance or pretentiousness he's just out there trying to do whatever he can to make these even if the movies weren't good I would respect him and appreciate them but I love both of these movies so much his sense of humor is so incredibly odd but real like sense of humor in real life we are weird people a lot of us we make noises or we do goofy shit it's not always how it's represented in film. He's really carefully towing the line of, like, absurd humor and realism, and I like it. I really like that movie. I really like Thunder Road. Great recommendation. Final two recs before we end. These are two movies that Nick and I both liked a lot. The first one is On the Rocks, directed by Sofia Coppola, who, at this point, we may have mentioned more than any other director on this podcast, which is awesome. Very
1: true. (laughs) Very true.
0: I really loved On the Rocks. It may be Coppola's most accessible film. It's fun. It moves. It's 96 minutes long. It looks absolutely stunning. The movie is streaming exclusively on Apple TV+, and it definitely looks like it was made with Apple money. There are two things happening in this movie. The central plot is Rashida Jones trying to figure out if her husband, played by Marlon Wayans, is cheating on her. But the far more interesting plot is Jones' relationship with Bill Murray, who plays her father, as they spy on Wayans together. Bill is great here. He's smooth. He's at ease. He has a monologue or two that he quietly chews. It's just weird. I I, I want to hear what you think about the movie, but it. I also want to put this in your head. Isn't it weird? Like, no one's talking about the fact that this is a Sofia Coppola movie. I mean, the only person I've talked to this movie about, whether in person, on the phone, online, is you. I don't see this being mentioned on film Twitter. It's just, it's a Sofia Coppola movie. They, these things used to be events. Even if not everyone was really into it, like the Beguiled, it was still talked about, at least for a couple of weeks, and I, I don't know. I I really want people to check this out. If you have Apple TV Plus, it's there for free. So, what do you think? Oh, I loved it, and it's an interesting
1: kind of thing to talk about with Sophia because to me, it it, it this movie, just like all her other movies, just screams Sophia Coppola. It is her, yeah. through and through. Her voice as a filmmaker is so pronounced and specific, which is so important. I mean, obviously, we like her, but at the same time, it's probably one of my favorite performances he's done. And I mean, mm-hmm. this guy, he is just the master of of being relevant. He Anytime that it, when I think of the name Bill Murray, the first thing I think of is what he's currently doing. It's not... You know, I mean, it's great to think about you know, Caddyshack and Groundhog saying and Ghostbusters because oh, those are all important things. But you hear a lot of old time actors and you always go back to their old work. But Bill, he's right there. I'm thinking whatever he's doing right now. And this movie is probably his one of his most unique performances. But I still think Sofia Coppola is the star of this movie.
0: hmm. Well said. I agree. She tends to be the stars of her work. And that. And she doesn't do it in a flashy way. I mean, there's a scene when Rashida Jones is just walking on the street and I don't know what millimeter lens they shot that on. It looks like a 300 millimeter lens. I mean, it is so creamy and beautiful behind her. And <laughs> and when you shoot, I don't know what the hell you're t- – I love this shit. When you shoot said, on – what? Because you said creamy. Oh, Creamy. <laughs> i'm not gonna include (laughs) any of this that's what it looks like when the when it's out of focus what a one-track mind what's in that coffee (laughs) fucking lunatic (laughs) jesus anyway they shoot it on like a 300 millimeter lens and it looks really great and just very blurry and it's hard to pull off shots like that and yeah she's the star of her own work and i really like it fucking knucklehead i think you should include it (laughs) we're gonna end with our most lighthearted recommendation yet possessor uncut directed by brandon cronenberg son of david star i'm kidding by the way this movie is (laughs) supremely and utterly fucked up but starring andrea riseborough who really can't do any wrong christopher abbott who we both absolutely love and jennifer jason lee Again, this movie is very, very deranged, but it's also probably my favorite movie of 2020 so far. So noting that, I can't really in good conscience tell listeners what this movie is fully about. It is a violent, mindfuck sci-fi thriller, but made smartly on a budget. In some ways, it's kind of like a violent, angry, sexualized step-cousin to Inception, and I mean that as a compliment, Um it has a great tone. It's very unsettling. Christopher Abbott is one, if not the best actor of his generation. I have absolutely no problem calling that out now. He's going to be around for a long time. We're going to be talking about him for a long time. This is another pay-for-play movie worth every penny so long as you know what you're getting yourself into. What did you think?
1: <laughs> I don't think I can I can surmise it any better than you just did. It is going to be hard for any movie to for me to beat this as my favorite movie of the year. I know we still got a few contenders coming out for the rest of the year, but I absolutely love this movie. It was very refreshing to see this level of violence in the film again. <laughs> I mean that in a good way.
0: Dude, wait. That is a great point because we just don't see that anymore. A you lot don't. of the violence now is, a lot of it's like off screen or, you know, they're using cgi for blood i mean even fincher does that that's okay it's i hey that's all good but this is like they brought out the fake blood for this one and it was realistic and i it was startling kind of like oh yeah i haven't seen this in a while (laughs) i was cheering i was cheering in my chair i i was like
1: this is fucking awesome i can't believe what i'm seeing i was like losing my shit and abbott god damn that guy's great yep He's fucking great. So good. And um, yeah, this movie, of all the movies that we talked about today, this is the number one that I'm recommending, Uh, even though it for pay-per-play. If this is your, I mean, I think we sold it well enough to understand what kind of movie it is. And if this is your cup of tea, you will not be
0: disappointed. Well said. All right, that's it from us. We hope we've given you some fun, fresh stuff to check out. Because next Thursday is a holiday, we're going to release our next episode a day early on Wednesday, November 25th. This is our biggest one yet, folks. We're really, really excited. This is a two-part episode on the great John Cassavetes. We love Cassavetes. We had a lot to say. So stay tuned for that. But for now, thanks for listening and happy watching. Enjoy your creamy coffee. (laughs) Jesus. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. You can check out my flicks and my movie blog at alexwithrow.com. Nicholasdostel.com is where you find all of Nick's film work. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. Next time, we're going to do our biggest episode yet, the one we've been building toward a breakdown of the great John Cassavetes. We put a ton of research into this one and we're super excited to share it with you. Stay tuned.